Hello, and welcome to the monthly Megabyte Barometer podcast. I'm Ian Spence, founder and chairman of Megabyte. The idea of this podcast is to give my take on some of the key recent trading, transaction and funding news, and to look forward to what this all might mean for the outlook. Megabyte subscribers can drill into the detail of all of this on our platform, which includes research and data on over 2,000 of the UK's leading TMT companies at megabyte.com. Over the next 20 minutes or so, I will cover three main areas. After a brief overview of the performance of stock markets globally and a look at valuations, I'll take a look at transaction and fundraising activity in the UK TMT sector, give a view on the trading environment out there and conclude by looking forward at what this all means for the outlook. So starting first with the stock markets, it's been another strong month month for markets globally, but the UK continues to lag behind most of its international peers. In particular in the US, the tech-heavy Nasdaq was up another 6% in June and is now solidly above its pre-COVID high. By contrast, our megabyte index of UK-listed tech stocks was flat in June and still sits roughly halfway between the pre-COVID high and, and the, the low that the market slumped to in, in the early stages of the pandemic. In broad terms, we think this really reflects the rather staid nature of the leading stocks in the uh, in the UK universe. The likes of Microfocus, Sage, Aviva, etc. are all very solid companies, but they don't really compare in terms of growth and dynamics with the likes of Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, Alphabet, etc. And indeed, um, certainly Amazon, Tesla, Microsoft and Netflix all had a very uh, strong month in June. They were All their share prices were up significantly. Google and Facebook less so. Facebook was flat. I think that's mainly around uh, the uh, the issues they've got at the moment with a something of an advertising boycott for some of their customers in uh, in July. So that's been holding the shares back a bit in the short term. Overall, though, uh, tech sector, tech uh, stock markets in the US very strong during June, and inevitably this surge in valuations has resulted in uh, in a new wave of IPOs. I mean, we really wouldn't have guessed it three months ago that there'd be a, a fresh wave of IPOs in the tech sector, but sure enough, here they are. Uh, and not surprising given, as I say, the, the strength in share prices we've seen, in particularly in US markets in recent weeks. Uh, I, I'd highlight really three, I think, uh, that, have, that have happened or are happening uh, at the moment in the US that sort of typify what we're seeing. Zoom Info in the enterprise data space, Vroom in the B2C secondhand car market, uh, a digital platform for, for secondhand cars and lemonade in the digital insurance sector. You know, really good examples of sort of next generation businesses that are finding favour on the US market. Sadly, this uh, this resurgent IPO activity is not uh, translated to the UK market and we're not really seeing any, well, there haven't been any IPOs and we're not hearing much chatter about much coming down the line as well, although I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple in the uh, in the second half of the year. Those of you who read our research regularly and, and listen to this podcast know that you know, we've got some fairly strong and, and consistent views about the structural issues with the London market for tech companies, or all companies, uh, particularly the A market. I'm not going to repeat those here, but we think those will, uh, those will continue to be a barrier to, to a significant flow of IPOs, and we expect the continued de-equitisation of, uh, of the London market going forward. There's been much chatter across the uh, the Megabyte desk, the virtual desk, I have to say, as we're all now working from home, or we are still working from home, and, and really just across my network about how sustainable the, the stock, stock market performance is, and particularly with the valuations, given that we, we're clearly heading into a recession. I think if you take a step back from this and look at the causes behind the stock market surge, it's, 
it's perhaps less surprising than you might think. Uh, in my uh, long and sometimes painful career in the city, one of the things that I learned perhaps too slowly is that whilst the market is often efficient and values companies on fundamentals over the medium to long term, the drivers of share price performance in the short term are very much more to do with supply and demand. And that's really, I think, what we're seeing at play at the moment in uh, in, in the markets. So what you've got is a, 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 a demand side equation in the tech sector that has two key factors to it. You've got a uh, an increase in sector specific demand that is uh, derived from the fact that the sector has just so markedly outperformed the rest of the uh, of the economy over the last three months. And, and that's leading to an increased demand for tech stocks, uh, both here and in the US, but particularly in the US, the likes of Amazon and so on. And then you've also got a broad uh, increase, uh, certainly sustained and increased demand for risk assets as a result of ongoing low and now even lower interest rates um, and also a return of fiscal stimulus, which everybody knows uh, creates uh, inflation in asset prices, particularly risk assets. So you've got that increase in, in demand for tech sector. And in terms of supply, well, obviously, you have got some increased supply in terms of the IPO market I talked about, but it's fairly limited in the context of the overall market cap of the of the sector. Uh, and so you've got limited increase in supply. So inevitably, what you get is price inflation. And, you know, when we look forward and you think, well, what, what, how long can this last? I'm not suggesting for a moment that we're going to see you know, stock markets rising forever, tech sector rising forever. And we're likely to see corrections of some sort, as we always do. But actually, uh, I really do think that the, the dynamics we're seeing, the short-term supply and demand the dynamics are, are going to be around for some time, particularly as we see investors largely looking through uh, 2020 trading and saying, OK, well, look, we're just going to look through that and, and look at the fundamentals of the business um, uh, beyond that. And if it's uh, and, and, you know, we see a digital revolution coming, and I'll talk more about that in a minute, then that long-term demand uh, and growth uh, trajectory looks strong. So that, that's, that supports, if anything, um, the the, uh, the dynamics we're seeing in terms of valuations at the moment. So I don't see any short-term uh, change, although we might see some bumps along the road. Turning to the transaction and fundraising uh, activity in the UK market over the last month, uh, generally an improving trend. Uh, we've definitely seen an improving trend. Uh, we saw... Uh, we, we obviously saw a substantial drop in activity through, um, certainly, March. You obviously had the the continuation of what had been going on previously, April significant decline, May further decline. Uh, and we're now seeing most of those stats now turning up. One area that's been largely unaffected, I have to say, um, by uh, what's going on is growth capital. And that continued to be the case in June, partly, I think, because these deals don't really require any debt, which has been an area which has been holding back perhaps some uh, activity in other parts of the market as well obviously, as obviously sentiment. We recorded uh, on the Megabyte database 19 growth capital deals in June, raising over 500 million sterling between them. Um, and that's up slightly on uh, May and up by about 15% on June 2019. So growth capital deals not really skipping a beat, to be honest. Um, private equity activity in terms of later stage private equity activity. So management buyouts, secondary buyouts. Uh, they were really in the doldrums, particularly in May. We only recorded two deals in May. That increased to six in uh, in June, which is obviously positive. Uh, that's down very slightly from eight in June uh, 2019. So we are seeing lower levels of activity, but definitely improving. Um, and I'll talk about uh, some of the deals that we have seen, uh, um, some of the more significant deals we've seen in June in a moment. 
M&A volumes continue to be substantially impacted, but we are seeing um, green shoots a little bit there. When we look at the deal stats, uh, we recorded 15 deals in the and the, the M&A deals in the June and the megabyte database in June. Three more than in May, but still down 60% from the uh, 2019 levels in terms of numbers of deals. The stats don't really support a, uh, a an improving uh, the commentary around an improving picture, but just conversations we're having with management teams, with investors, with uh, and, and with advisors in the sector suggest that things are gradually picking up. So I'm not suggesting we're going to see a return to 40 or 50 M&A transactions in the UK sector um, uh, anytime soon, but we do expect to see a gradual improvement back to that level over the coming months. Capital markets, as, uh, as, as most of you will know, have been robust in terms of the uh, secondary offerings. No IPOs again in June, but the secondary offerings uh, much stronger. Um, and May was pretty solid. 75 million raised in four deals in, uh, in, in, uh, in June. Not, not a fantastic performance, but I think what we've seen is we've, we've sort of come through now, I think, the, the, the main COVID-19 kind of fundraising period and we're getting back to a more normal uh, uh, pattern of, of fundraising in the in the market probably going to be quite quiet over the summer I would say um, and as we say for all the reasons I mentioned earlier I don't think we're going to see a big uh, you know a big IPO a uh, big IPO um, a frenzy in the UK but we will probably see see one or two over the second half of the year just to pick out some of the key deals we've seen in in the uh, in the M and A market during June, I mean the biggest one, obviously by value and just in terms of uh, profile, is Just Eat Takeaways acquisition of Grubhub for circa six billion dollars. A real bold and transformational move, uh, and really creates one of the, uh, without doubt, creates the largest food delivery uh, business outside of China in the world, and a really interesting deal. For that reason, but also because um, obviously just just eat takeaway uh, sort of nicked Grubhub from from underneath the nose of Uber. Although I think everyone recognised that that a merger between Uber and Grubhub was gonna was going to uh, attract some uh, regulatory scrutiny anyway. But good to see a European player uh, um, um, taking the fight to the Americans for a change. So that was I mean, without doubt I think the most high profile deal in the sector during uh, during June. Less high profile, but really significant, I think, was was another deal where Eggplant, which is a, te- a software, <coughs> excuse me, software testing business, um, testing software business, was acquired by Keysight for three hundred and thirty million dollars, or around nine times trailing revenues, and cracking outcome for Carlyle, which, by the way, paid two times sales for that business in twenty sixteen. So, good result for them. But I think more broadly, significantly uh, underscores. The resilience in valuations, certainly for quality assets that we are seeing in the market, increasingly seeing new data points to support that view. Another one that supported that view and also supports the view of a returning uh, strength or some returning of strength to the mid-market PE world was ICG, Intermediate Capital Group's 10% investment in WorkHuman, which is a Dublin-based social recognition and rewards platform. That deal reportedly valued WorkHuman at $1.2 billion or around 35 times trailing EBITDA. So that's a growing, it's a rapidly growing business, but even so, that's a pretty punchy multiple. Again, supporting our view on on, uh, on valuations, I think. On a more run rate basis, I mean, you know, 
not entirely run rate because the the access access group's acquisition of legal software provider eclipse from capita was nearly 50 million so it was a pretty chunky deal but more run rate than some of the ones i've just talked about um really good to see access back on i mean they've, they've only had a few weeks off to be honest but you know that access has been one of the key drivers of of consolidation in the uh, enterprise software market over the last uh, few years in the uk and uh, and continues to be so so that will be a driver of, of increased activity going forward i'm sure as as access continues on its path and uh, interesting also to see capita uh, in the process of divesting its uh, its software businesses uh, which is uh, going to create some more deal flow over the coming months i'm sure and lastly on deal activity really just switching more to thinking about some of the thematic deals we've seen, not necessarily huge deals, but ones that we think support some of the uh, underlying trends in the industry. And a couple of interesting deals in June that support our view of this idea of a digital revolution that we think is coming over the next decade. Really what we see is the second chapter of the cloud era, if you like, the first chapter in the 2010 to 2010, 2020 uh, decade, really about cloud infrastructure transformation and now 20 the 2020s about what everyone is going to do with that infrastructure in terms of digital transformation much more about that later but the two deals i'm talking about one is dotmatics which is an scp backed software business which is focused on the life sciences and pharmaceuticals industry that business acquired a company called biobright which collects data from medical devices so it's an iot and data business very interesting company and a very interesting purchase. Receipt Bank, uh, which uh, is in the enterprise software space, um, acquired a business called Xavier Analytics, which provides data cleanup and compliance tools. Um, again, um, you know, actually Xavier's only been around a couple of years, so quite a small deal. But both of the deals really underline this idea of how important data, data management, data collection, data production is going to be in the next phase of the cloud era. And uh, we're going to see M&A around that. We're going to see some new businesses that are going to, I think, challenge some of the established SaaS leaders. And interestingly, for those of you who are interested in that topic, uh, my colleague, Lee Prout, our head of research, produced a very interesting um, piece on that and the CEO hub during uh, during June about how starting to see how we see these next generation SaaS businesses developing. So take a look at that if you've got some time. And these deals underline that, that view, I think, and, and we're going to see a lot more of that going forward. On the trading outlook, um, I'm not going to go into the detail of individual company trading. Uh, my colleagues uh, on the, the Megabyte research team have spoken to over 60 management teams during June and produced well over 100 articles and research reports on uh, on those conversations and other uh, conversations in the market. So I commend those to you to read uh, if you are a subscriber. If you're not a subscriber, you know what to do. Also, just to, while I'm on that subject, a slight segue to talk about what we're doing in terms of our report library, our report, um, the report part of our, our service at Megabyte for subscribers. Um, those of you who are subscribers will be aware that during the last quarter, we've pivoted away from the peer group quarterlies that we've been doing for, for several years prior to that. We produced barometer reports, which were really focused on helping subscribers understand how companies and subsectors that we look at are um, we're dealing are dealing with the COVID-19 situation. What the guys are doing now for the coming quarter and beyond is they are taking the best of the peer group quarterlies that we had been doing and the key elements of the barometers and relaunching the barometers, barometers into two quarterly reports, one on ICT and digital services, the other one on software and digital platforms, and they will be our new go-forward kind of go-to reports for sector commentary going forward. 
Importantly as well, we're launching a new element at the end of July. Um, subscribers will have seen invitations for this this week. Uh, those two, the analyst team, the senior analyst team will be talking through the key points of both of those reports in two separate webinars, live webinars at the end of July. Those are open to all subscribers. So um, do go on to megabyte.com and register for those because they, they, they're going to prove to be really, really useful, I think. And to my point, the guys will cover in those the key kind of subsector themes and specific company themes that we're seeing at the moment. So I'll let them do that. I won't repeat those here for the sake of time as much as anything else. But in general terms, the current trading situation and the outlook continue to improve in June. I think there's no question about that. A significant number of the public companies that we track reported results or issued trading updates. And for the most part, those results or trading updates indicated that trading is no worse and actually in many cases better than uh, we had uh, previously uh, no no worse or better than the expectations that were probably downgraded significantly in March and April. So trading no worse, probably better. There are obviously some, some outliers there. Um, you know, we're still seeing some of the companies that have taken what we describe as COVID direct hits, particularly in consumer facing sectors. And Datalex was a good example of that during June, which is, um, is having some serious challenges in the travel software sector. But overall, an, a pretty solid and improving picture in trading. I think looking forward, you know, trading resilience uh, will continue to depend on the same four key uh, variables that we've been talking about for some weeks now. Those are products and service stickiness, um, you know, just how mission critical, as we say, overused term, but important at the moment. How sticky is your product? How strong is your revenue and business model, uh, recurring revenue, etc.? Thirdly, what's your vertical market exposure? Um, obviously, if you've got more vertical market exposure to, to directly impacted parts of the market, you're going to you're going to be underperforming. And what's your customer type? So what, you focus on SME, mid market, enterprise, public sector. Those four areas, I think, will continue to define resilience going forward. For my mind, to my mind, customer type, I think, is 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 going to be a key one over the next six to nine months as we see the furlough scheme come to an end in the autumn. I think we're going to see. Uh, I think we're going to see those companies that have got more of an SME mid-market, particularly SME customer base, possibly underperforming the others as, as SMEs get more, this get disproportionately impacted by what's coming. But we shall see. We shall certainly be keeping a close eye on that. Finally, then, just a quick word on the longer term outlook. I think that um, what I'd, I'd suggest and recommend is, is, if you're interested in this, is to have a read of an article that I posted on the CEO Hub last week. Uh, talking about what we see as the kind of three stages of this of this digital revolution that we're talking about, and as I said, will be the the subject of the CEO uh, summit uh, e conference in October. And um, you know, those three stages really are firstly just thinking about um, firstly just uh, digital accelerated digital transformation, sorry, accelerated cloud transition. So we've obviously seen over the last ten years companies making. Uh, a lot of companies transitioning to cloud, cloud-based infrastructure. Those companies that are underinvested in that in that kind of trend, I think, will have really had those inadequacies of that underinvestment laid bare over the last few months as they've tried to have their employees working from home, as they've tried to communicate in different and digital ways with their customers and suppliers, and really struggle to do that because they're on old technology. So. Before we get anywhere in terms of digital revolution, I think we're going to see, and we are already seeing, accelerated cloud transition. Um, secondly, I think during recession, the focus is going to be very much on operational excellence and using digital transformation to improve operational efficiency and outcomes. 
So particularly around automation, increased use of collaboration to provide an enhanced customer service experience, but a lower cost and a better efficiency. And then thirdly, as we come out of recession, <coughs> excuse me, really looking at digital transformation in terms of service transformation. And this is this is the idea that really across the service economy, uh, all services are going to have some element of digital transformation over the next sort of 10 and more years. And that technology businesses that enable that, but also service economy businesses that that transform their service to be more digitally focused will be beneficiaries of that. So those three phases we're going to examine in more detail over the coming weeks in the CEO Hub and in our research and, and certainly at the conference in, in October. So if you're eligible, please uh, go ahead and register for that. Okay, so I think that's, that's all for this month, folks. Uh, thank you very much for listening. And until next month, stay safe.